I'm speaking with one of my all-time favorite composers. His work was one of the select few that was truly a part of my childhood. His work with the great Luc Besson has created an entire filmography of what a director-composer relationship should be, from La Femme Nikita, The Big Blue, The Messenger, Leon, The Fifth Element, Arthur and the Invisibles, The Lady, and the recent box office hit Lucy. He has demonstrated his style as an auteur, but also his versatility as a storyteller. He also helped usher James Bond for one of his best and most unique adventures that indirectly influenced one of the best video games ever made. Uh, recently he's been touring with his band, the RXRA Group, and even remastering some of his uh, older scores for a new generation of listeners. Eric, thanks so much uh, for seeing me on your visit here in Los Angeles. Thank you. Uh, thank you uh, for this nice, very gentle introduction. <laughs> That's very nice. So I just wanted to, you know, to state we're sitting here at Cafe Primo on Sunset and uh, Sunset Boulevard. So anybody who's listening, if you're wondering what all that noise is, you know, we're just sitting having some drinks at this cafe. But um, first, I just wanted to ask, how did you get involved in music? I mean, what was and what was the reason why you focused on film music? Well, so about music, I started playing when I was five years old because mm -hmm. my dad was uh, music. Well, he was a. Uh, I don't know how you call this in English, but in French it's called chansonnier, which is you know those kind of. It's it's kind of uh, standing. Uh, how do you call this? A one-man show, uh -huh. uh, standing uh, comedian. A stand-up comedian. Stand-up comedian. Yes. Uh, but his specialty was uh, singing uh, very, very short songs. Uh -huh. He had invented something that he called chanson flash, which means flash songs. Uh -huh. the, to, to give you an example, the shortest one was one second. Wow. So obviously it was very fun and uh, stupid. Like a riff on the guitar, like a, something like that? Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> but it had, a, it had a meaning and a, a lyrics uh -huh. corresponding and giving it, giving, giving it sense, meaning. Uh -huh. So anyway, and uh, just this to say that he was, uh, when he was performing, he would play guitar himself uh -huh. so at home he would play guitar and a classical guitar and so he was obviously my first influence and he bought me my first guitar when I was five years old and it became very quickly my favorite toy uh -huh. so I've always played music because I don't remember starting music because uh, I don't remember anything before five years old so <laughs> uh, to me Doing music is super, uh, very natural. Right? Right. That's really my. And also, he had, he was smart enough to never push me to learn mm -hmm. music, to so study just... music. So it's always stayed my freest, you know, my my free, my uh, private garden, you know. Right. Like, uh, and. Uh, uh, so I suppose that's why I kept this passion yeah. and love for music. And uh, and so I started playing when I was five, then I, I had my first electric guitar when I was 11. Mm -hmm. And that's how I, that's when I started also performing on stage uh, with a friend who was uh, older than me. But so at, <laughs> at the age of 11, I started doing this. That's when I also discovered then the power of music 
<laughs> on the audience, you know, and especially, you know, the seduction, seductive power when you are playing music on stage. It's almost like a drug, I'm sure. You get up there and the entire audience is going crazy. Exactly, it's a drug. <laughs> a really hard one. And, uh, and, uh, and then I became professional musician when I was 16, so very young. Right. Uh, and, uh, and so originally I was really a performer, like I, I would play, I would I was performer and a session musician right. too. I did the job as yeah. a session musician. And uh, it's when I was doing this at uh, at 18 years old, approximately. Uh, I met. Uh, I was recording in a studio on a, on an album for a French singer. And uh, a friend of his came to visit in the studio one day. And he was a young guy uh, who had been assistant on a movie, as an assistant director on a movie, and who was dreaming of doing movies. A couple of months later, and he was the same age as me, and so we became big friends. A few months later, he directed a music video for this same singer, so I was also uh, acting in the video because I was playing guitar and then uh, a few months later he this same guy did his first short movie and this guy was Luc Besson oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, his first short movie was uh, my first music because yeah he did ask me to compose for it uh -huh. to score it and that was my first uh, official composition. Wow. And then he asked me again for his first long-form movie. Then for the second one, and the second one was already huge success in France. Mm -hmm. And the music was very successful because there was a, a, a rock band in the movie. Yeah. So there, there were songs and... And uh, actually I was acting in the movie also. Was that Subway? That was Subway, yeah. yeah. And uh, in, in France and in some countries in Europe and also in, uh, in Japan, it was a big success. And the music was... Uh, I, I got my first uh, French music award for this music and uh, my first gold album and etc yeah. and so that's how it all started wow <laughs> um so i mean what kind of music did you listen to growing up i mean i mean were you aware of film before you met luke or was that just a brand new world to you I mean, and also what kind of you know pop music rock music were you listening to uh, i was listening to originally uh, rock music my favorite band was uh, led zeppelin and I was into those bands, you know, like uh, at this time it was uh, Deep Purple, Black Sabbath, uh, Led Zeppelin who was my favorite, The Who, uh, and, uh, and no, I had absolutely no idea of soundtracks and no, no interest, uh, especially, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And uh, this really happened by accident because yeah. Luc asked me, Luc Besson right. asked me to score his first movie. Actually, my first answer was, no, I'm not a composer. And, uh, but he insisted because he was sure I was a composer because he had seen me improvising and for him it was meaning that I was a composer. Yeah. 
which is a complete uh, <laughs> mistake, but thank him that he insisted. Um, and, uh, and so that's why when I f did my first soundtrack, I had zero influence from soundtracks. Yeah, you never listened to them. Oh, no, yeah. exactly. So, and I didn't even think like, oh, I have a movie to score, maybe I should check out what they do. Yeah. And no, I didn't. I was very naive and probably stupid. So <laughs> I didn't think about this. I, I, I thought, well, okay, well, I'm going to do some music then on those images. And uh, so, so that's probably why when you listen to my soundtracks, especially the early ones, right. they don't sound at all like any other soundtracks because yeah, there, were, there was zero influence. And then, much later, when I started to, uh, to, to, to compose for symphonic music, symphonic orchestra, uh, then I, I was more influenced because I thought about that, you know, because the first time we, we started doing symphonic music, obviously it was because all those big movies coming from here, Hollywood, they had this big music like John Williams, etc. And that's our generation. It's like uh, Star Wars when I was 15 or 16. You know, like, wow. <laughs> and uh, so probably I've been influenced uh, unconsciously. Right. But very soon when I decided to do symphonic music and I listened to th those composers, I decided that I preferred to be influenced by the originals, which were uh, Stravinsky, Wagner, yeah. and, uh, and Gustav Holtz, yeah. you know, the planets. Because obviously those people have been influenced by, uh, by those classical composers. And so instead of uh, getting my influence to already something influenced, I, I thought it was it was more interesting to, to go to the, the source, the origin. So so then I started listening to a lot of classical music. But so to go back to the what I was listening to, so originally rock rock music, then uh, I realized that everything I was listening to was only for learning guitar, learning the guitar solos. That's why actually I was listening to a lot of Deep Purple because uh -huh, yeah. Richie Blackmore was actually my first guitar teacher. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> well, I never met him. Huh? Oh, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> indirectly. Well, I was just I was listening and and reproducing his guitar solos, and uh, and after that, after a couple of years, I had learned almost all of his solos so I needed something new and something more complicated to improve you know to to improve my skills and that's when I discovered jazz rock music and the first guitarist I discovered in this area was uh, John McLaughlin and then uh, Jeff Beck and those kind of people and so it took me to another level of difficulty and uh, and yeah for all those years I was only listening to music for as a it was like my my music school 
Right. So it was very bizarre. The oldest songs, for example, I would, every time I would sing, I would sing the guitar solos, not the lyrics. <laughs> no, really, I swear. That was very bizarre. But it's, I think it's the best because uh, I interviewed uh, John Powell, he's a composer, and it, people ask him, do you listen to film music? And he goes, no, why would I ever do that? You know, why would you, his quote is, why would you ever eat where you shit? Because it's a, a snake eating the tail. He says, if you keep listening to film music, it becomes the same thing. So he looks at other inspiration kind of outside. And I thought that was a pretty unique way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so you told me, you told us how you met Luc uh, Besson. Um, over the years, do you find that it gets easier to work with him or maybe more difficult because you guys are so familiar with each other? Is it harder to find new ways to say things or is it you guys are so quick and shorthand and everything like that now? Uh, I would say that artistically it's, it's easier and easier. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, we're not sure. Well, it's not easier and easier, but right. each it, it was easier and easier for the first few years. Mm -hmm. But now it's been such a long time that it doesn't become even easier. It's, right, it's like a new thing. It's fine. We we know each other so well that it's fine. But it's much more complicated for dealing with contracts. <laughs> the more we know each other, the more it's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> because I mean, there were few films that you guys didn't work on together was that just because of contractual disputes or was it scheduling no it was uh, well it was but obviously you're okay now you I mean you work with Lucy and yeah no it was half scheduling and half just uh, 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 he, he was wanting to try something different okay. just to make a change right. which I understand because you know I did all of his movies but two yeah, which is not a lot in family. 30 years you know so uh, I'm actually surprised that we did all these movies together you yeah. know? so just two is really nothing so uh, he wanted to try something else he wanted to to put himself in a more difficult situation right. like to, 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 yeah, to break the habits yeah. you know? So then, um, when you are working on a film now, especially with Luke, when you know you're going to be scoring his film, at what point in the production process do you come in? Do you read the script? Do you start going, okay, I can know this? Or do you wait till the final cut, or a rough cut of the film? Like, when do you start applying music to the process? Well, I start reading by reading the script. Mm -hmm. Then, after that, I start thinking of the music. but. Not necessarily composing and recording anything. It's just you know, I, I start wondering what what can I do that will match this particular movie. What type of textures? What type of music? Right. Uh, am I going to do classical? I mean, symphonic or electronic or etc. So and and. And sometimes I also start to uh, try to find themes, but you know, not working with the picture at all. Yeah. And so maybe themes, maybe textures. And uh, but then I wait for the movie for the first, uh, first cut. cut, almost uh, finished. Mm -hmm to then start composing precisely right. on the image. Fitting it to it. 
but uh, but uh, so for example on Lucy when I read the script I thought wow this script is really cool is really interesting and it's it's very modern it's somewhere very high-tech you know there are some yeah. high-tech stuff but at the same time very organic because everything is happening inside her right so uh, th that was my main first uh, reflection I was like what can I do that expresses this thing uh -huh. very high-tech and organic and so I spent I spent a few weeks just tweaking sounds and searching for something that yeah. would express this. And, and I found it at some point, I found this weird sound that I use at the beginning of the movie especially, uh -huh. that sounds exactly like this, it sounds very, you know that it's synthetic, that it's modern, but at the same time it sounds organic, it's almost like, it feels like coming from inside a body, like it's right. really bizarre. And so I was very happy that I found this sound because yeah. it was exactly the idea. <laughs> then, once I, and, and also I had decided I wanted to try to renew myself too, like to renew, right. you know, the, not to sound like the previous one or I'm always trying to do things like this and especially this time I wanted to and uh, so I decided to put on the side all my, uh, you know, my usual sounds, my samples. Uh -huh. try, I tried, I really tried to force myself to to do something new and, and not to use my uh, my usual tricks. Right. You know what I mean? Which I'm very familiar with and I love them, you know. <laughs> I love the sounds. Yeah, I love them too. That's the problem. <laughs> That's why it was so difficult because I love them too, obviously. That's why I'm using them usually. But this time, you know, I wanted, because I, right. I, yeah. I thought if I want to sound like I've done something really new, yeah. I, I can't use the um, my sounds because right. otherwise yeah you will have recognized oh that's the and so as much as possible I tried to do this I must admit that after when I was like at the middle of the process of uh, middle of the soundtrack then I started using some of them because I thought oh shit you know those sounds are great I can't not use them at all right so but that's why that less than usual. So if you had to pick, uh, when you're on any movie, I know it's going to be different for every movie, but what's really the first thing that sparks an idea? Is it the character, the plot, the, the, the cinematography? Like what's really that you look at, or you just look at it all and whatever speaks to you maybe pops up? Yeah, no, I, I don't have any, I, I have no idea. It yeah. depends on the movie. It's, yeah. I'm really, that's the way I work. It's really emotional yeah. and really... Uh, Responsive, yeah. I don't have no, I don't have any uh, concept of how do I score a movie. Really, I have no yeah. idea. I, I just watch it or read it and compose what I, what I feel Whatever emotionally. So... So it can be different things depending on the movie and well, that's a good answer. I like that. <laughs> obviously when it's a movie with Scarlett Johansson or Salma Hayek, I suppose I'm a lot inspired by the actress. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, visual inspiration. Yeah, but no, you know, it's really, it de really depends. Very different process. Um, I did want to kind of touch on. I'm sure you've been asked so much about the Fifth Element, but it's one of my favorite movies. Um, you know, I'm probably you're probably tired of answering questions all these years, but it was one of those movies. You know, that I still quote every day in my life. You know, we watch it all the time. I think it's one of the best science fiction films uh, ever made. You know, so when you're creating this universe, this science fiction universe, I mean, how do you decide what the future sounds like? You were doing a lot of interesting textures. You had weird vocals and all this stuff. I mean. How did that kind of co congeal to come to be? Well, that's yeah. When I remember the first thing Luc Besson told me when we started this, he said, uh, "I want you to compose the music of the 25th century." <laughs> and I said, "Oh, cool! Thank you." <laughs> and go <man>. easy. <laughs> so obviously, how would I know? And uh, yeah. So the only the only conceptual thing I decided is that probably in the 25th century it will be even more uh, um, uh, how do you say uh, multicultural like mixed oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so. cosmopolitan cosmopolitan. Uh, Especially at this time, because it's already much more cosmopolitan now, right. mixed everywhere, than it was at this time. But so that was obviously the first obvious idea: is to mix everything. That's why in this movie you can find uh, symphonic, uh, ethnic, uh, funk, uh, jazz. Uh, you know, I decided I could mix anything right. as long as it sounded good to me. Right, melodically. You know? And uh, and so I had done this already uh, for the professional. Yeah. But this time I I could do it even more because because it was 25th century, so I could uh, I could do also like weird sounds because uh, yeah because there was no limit. <laughs> right. There was absolutely no limit. Blank canvas. So. <laughs> So yeah, I tried to, to, and I was having fun. That's it. I mean, it was a fun movie. It's a fun score too. I love the score so much. Um, and another iconic film you did, of course, was Goldeneye. And I know there's a lot of critics about the score, all the purists and all that. But I found it to be one of the. It was like I was. What was it? 95, 96. 95. So that was I was. Um, I think around 10 years old, nine years old. That was the first Bond movie I saw. So I didn't come with the John Barry in the background. So I, that was the first Bond movie I saw. And even when I go back today, after I've, you know, I love Bond, all the Bonds, but it, it works so well for the film, and I love it so much. Oh, thank um, you. I mean, did you feel pressure? Did you feel obligation? It was such a big franchise. I mean, was that a, were you nervous taking that project? Well, it's bizarre because. Um, at this time, I was really uh, spoiled. Like I didn't need to work, you know. Right. I had because I had very big, successful things yeah. before. So, and I've never wanted to become, uh, you know, the industrial soundtrack composer. So uh, I didn't want to work at this time. So, and. and 
and I had just started composing, working on my solo album right. at this time. And so when they called me, my first reaction, I, I did refuse, I did pass on the really? wow. I didn't want to do it. And, but finally, uh, Barbara Broccoli and uh, Michael Wilson, they insisted, they really wanted me to score this movie, because they were big fans of The Professional. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I met them, and they were really nice people, I really, which was really cool. And so, finally, for different reasons, I finally did it. Right. Now actually, I'm very happy that I did it because <laughs> if I if I had if, you know if I had uh, not done it today, I would think, oh, what an idiot, you know, because <laughs> you know it's so great. I've done a James Bond. That's you know, especially for a French guy, it's amazing. I know. It's always <laughs> British composers they always hire. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and and you know uh, and you know it's exactly my generation because when I was a kid, James Bond was the only hero. Yeah. Because we didn't have yet uh, Indiana Jones or uh, all those guys didn't exist at this time. So it, James Bond was the only one, and I was big, a huge fan of James Bond yeah. as a kid. So when, when they asked me, and finally when I I was in my studio with the new James Bond, and I had to do the music on it, I was like, I was like dr dreaming a little bit, <laughs> and. Uh, I had complete freedom. Wow. There were, because they really wanted at this time to completely renew right. the James Bond thing. That was the whole idea with the new actor, etc. Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, and so they did let me completely free, like 100%. They just asked me to use the main theme, the James Bond theme, a few times in the movie. They actually asked for, like, I think I remember they did ask for, like, if you use it five times in the movie, that's fine. I finally used it a bit more because, you know, even to my opinion, a James Bond movie without this theme is not a James Bond right. movie. So I really, it was not a problem for me to to have to use it. But you like you like broke it down and you kind of built it into like the the kind of base structure of your score. That the Goldeneye Overture, you kind of yeah. took that dun da da dun, but you kind of made it your own and yeah, you kind exactly. of broke it down. It was so good. Well, that, that was the idea, yeah, because yeah. I wanted to, to find a special way, original yeah. and new. To, to use it and uh, and so so I had a lot of fun doing it finally at the end I had some little problems with them because I was really not happy with the mix the final mix right. of the movie because we had a discussion at the very beginning and I had explained to them that what what they were big fans of for example with my work uh, with Luc Besson was not only my music and my, the style of my music and the quality of my music I was, which was being very honest I, w I was telling them it's also the mix yeah. the way it's used in the movie right. that every time with Luc when there is a conflict for example between sound effects and music the music has got the priority right. and so I was explaining this to them uh, you know it's that's a very important point you have to understand because 
if it's not mixed this way, it's not going to make sense. And they were listening to me, very interested. And, uh, and finally, at the last minute, they did the opposite. They, they replaced your music, didn't they? No, no, just on one cue. Right, that, was, that was uh, one cue that they wanted the big James Bond theme with yeah. very uh, old-fashioned orchestration and I didn't want to do it so yeah. they did it without me and that was a mistake you know but as I said at this time I was a bit spoiled yeah. and, you know <laughs> but uh, and, and, and you know after that when the movie was Opened, I, I really was uh, very upset with the mix because it's not because we couldn't hear my music because I, I understand sometimes that the music can be lower or right. why not no problem with that but then I would compose something different my music at this time was especially at this time was based on a lot of little details especially in the percussions to make it groove etc a lot of tiny details very precisely adjusted and mixed right and when i heard the music the way they had mixed it with the the, the sound effects could only hear like 10% of yeah. the de those details which suddenly was not making any sense then because what you would hear was just a part of something it's like let's say for example if you have so it's going to be tough to understand <laughs> on the audio but <laughs> you're seeing me so okay, I'm it's like uh, if you make a if I do something with my hands and if I manage to do a special shape that's going to be a very interesting and, uh, and original. Yeah. If suddenly at the end you only see this right. of my hands, it's not going to make any sense. Yeah. And so obviously, if I know that at the end you're going to see this, I'm going to do something different. Right. I'm going to do something with just the top of my hands. Right. So. And that's exactly what happened with this mix. So I was really upset. But the movie was so successful that they told me, because uh, I had to tell them that I was upset. Because at this right. time, especially, you know, I was still young and very <laughs> defending my art. And uh, I had to tell them. And I remember, I will always remember, I had this discussion with Michael Wilson in Tokyo because it was the first time I was meeting with him again after the yeah. after this incident and uh, I told him that, and he looked at me and he, he said Eric you are in the movie number one on the planet and you're not happy and I looked at him and I said I'm not that's not what I'm talking about <laughs> of course I'm happy to be on the but I was talking about an artistic point of view yeah, right. and he was but he's a about producer it. he sees it differently exactly yeah. and so you know and so it was terrible because it was like we, we were like uh, people from different planet yeah. trying to communicate anyway after many years now I'm still very happy that I did this movie then I heard a lot of critics and uh, so I'm glad that you say that you like it because 
Yeah, I heard a lot of bad critics, and yeah, I, I thought it was bizarre because at the same time, I think, to, to what I've been told, it's the second uh, biggest sell uh, in uh, James Bond soundtracks. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, uh, someone, well, the record company told me that number one is Goldfinger, yeah. and number two is GoldenEye. So, it must be not so bad, right. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have my copy. I know everyone who bought it. You know, it was, uh, and it. I know you didn't do the video game, but I'm sure. I don't know if you're aware of the video game they made. They made a N64 game, and that was huge. And I, I know the composer who worked on it. His name is Grant Kirkhope. He's a Scottish composer, and he took um, the only thing he took from your score to make it sound very Goldeneye was the the. The, that sound that you always use that I love and he, yeah. and he kind of found a way into the video game to make I, it sound like your score but so what, I do want to know where did that sound come from that kind of submarine kind of echo it was in the Leon as well yeah the very first time I used it actually it was in the big blue right yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, it was at this time it was uh, it's called a Cristal Bache Bache being a, a name of two two brothers who were two French guys who were doing weird instruments, uh, making weird instruments. So it was a real instrument. It was yeah, originally yes, but I did sample okay, it. Yeah, yeah. But I sampled it myself from this instrument, uh -huh. and it was a glass organ. Wow. So it's you know pieces of glass that you play with the. Water, you know, right. this kind of instrument, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so when if you hit those blast kind of pieces, that was the sound it, wow. it makes. <laughs> so originally that was the sound, but then years later, uh, I I did it. I found another way of doing the same kind of sound is by. Uh, Detuning a tambourine. Uh -huh. If you detune a tambourine like uh, two or three octaves lower, it does approximately the same sound. And now it's been now uh, I don't know 15 years that you can yeah. find this type of sound in every all the synth yeah. uh, <laughs> anyway. So no, but it's that's I loved it in Leon and you hear it in Goldeneye and it's a signature um, a signature sound that I think a lot of. It's almost like the James Horner danger motif that he uses, you know, all the time. Um, uh, let's see, where we go? Uh, you also have your band, the uh, RXRA, which uh, you're uh, on tour with, you're going on tour this year. Yeah, um, and actually, just to precise, RXRA, in French, pronounces exactly Eric Serra, like my name. Eric Serra, okay. That's why they use this logo. It's, it sounds <laughs> strictly like my name, not, okay. not close to, exactly like my name. Wow. <laughs> so that's why it's fun in French. In okay. English, it's a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, tell me the difference for, of writing music for the stage. I mean, you talked about when you started performing and you got that kind of like performance high in front of the audience. I mean, is it different when you're writing songwriting on the stage versus film writing, film music? Is it the same process, the same thoughts? I mean, what is going into your music that way? Oh, do you mean when I compose? Versus like when you do on performing or for an album, like a song versus the film score. When I when I compose a song, compared to when I compose a score, right? Uh, well, the difference is that you don't have a, 
don't have anything anything on the screen right so when you when you, when you do a soundtrack you you enter someone else's dream mm -hmm. the, the director's dream and you help him creating his dream uh, so you, you're part of a dream, you're part of something, you're part of an artistic thing. Right. When you do a song for yourself, you are, it's your own dream and it's your own piece of art. Right. I mean, it's not, nobody else. So it's very different because you, you, when you do a song, you serve yourself. When right. you do a soundtrack, you serve a movie. Uh, and also, also technically, it's very different because uh, in a movie you're not alone in the in the sonic universe. Yeah. Like, uh, you have to respect dialogues, you have to respect sound effects. So, so you know, it's like a, it's like the difference in painting. For example, writing a song is the equivalent of painting on a piece of paper that's completely white. And scoring movie would be to paint something which has already some drawings on it. Like a coloring book, <laughs> maybe. Uh, almost, yeah. <laughs> no, because you can you can add shapes and okay. things, but it's it's not far from this. Yeah. yeah. That's I mean that's because uh, you 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 have songs at the end of Fifth Element and the end of Golden Eye, which is um, yeah. where you wrote specifically for the film. No, actually those oh, they two were not. songs. No, no. Those two songs actually I composed originally for my solo album. Oh wow! And they were they were already composed when I did. Uh, okay. Well, when I did Golden Eye, uh, as I told you, I was in the middle of composing my solo album right. oh, yeah, when yeah. they called me, and so this song was done already, and uh, and I proposed I proposed it to uh, Barbara Broccoli and she did take it. And uh, and then, but uh, but yeah, and at this time it was just a demo that I finally do, uh, did it, uh, recorded it for the movie. Mm -hmm. But it was already composed. And when I did, uh, and the one in the Fifth Element, the Little Light of Love, yeah, yeah. that was already recorded and mixed because my al my solo album was ready to be released. Uh -huh. And I just waited because as it was about to be released, I started working on the fifth element. So the record company decided to hold it, uh, to release it after the fifth element. But the song was already, well, the whole album was already finished. Right. So it's, both songs were originally for my solo album. Wow. <laughs> little, little Light of Love is in my solo album. And the other one, the James Bond one, is not in my solo album right. because it was in the movie. Right. So they wanted and, it. Uh, and finally, because I did hold my solo album uh, two years after Golden Eye, I yeah. thought oh, I'm not going to put it back in my solo album now. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Um, I also saw you're going back and kind of remastering some of your older scores. Um, so I mean, now that you have this newer technology and everything, and you're going back and revisiting things, what do you? I mean, is it the what is the object that when you remaster something, are you trying to make it just sound better? I mean, what is the the process involved with kind of repolishing your old scores? Well, yeah, it's just uh, re remastering is to make it just. Uh, 
to, to, to make it sound better, to make it sound more uh, from now, because if you... Th th those first CDs, if you listen to one of those old CDs, just after uh, a very new one from a uh, band or something, you're gonna hear the big difference, uh, the global quality of the sound, you know? So it's to upgrade it to new standards right. and uh, and to try to improve it because uh, especially especially my very first ones right. I had no idea at this time what was the mastering I didn't <laughs> I didn't even go to the mastering I mean yeah. it went to the mastering but I didn't know <laughs> to me when it was mixed it was finished <laughs> I was done I, I learned about mastering uh, for my the first time I went to mastering was for the Big Blue, uh -huh. which was my third soundtrack. Because before that I didn't know. So obviously when I did remaster my two first ones, the Last Battle and Subway, I did a huge improvement because uh, it was no mastering and new mastering. So right. it, I, I improved it a lot. Uh, but you know, even the Big Blue that I had mastered originally, we managed to improve it a lot because of the you know the new equipment now and right, right. and also because my experience is different now. So yeah. I've mastered a lot of albums, so and so uh, <coughs> and so. I must admit that you know, for example, the Fifth Element. We couldn't improve it so much because right. it was not so long ago, right. and and so the difference between then and now is not so huge. Very so I, I, I would lie if I was pretending that we did improve a lot the Fifth yeah. Element one, but but as we had started remastering all of them, I thought it's worth doing it for all of them, mm -hmm. uh, and plus we also. The, the reissue is with a lot of bonus, yeah. like a, with a big booklet, with a, with a, like 20 or 25 pages with photos, right. with uh, comments, with anecdotes, and right, yeah. Yeah. so yeah. it's a real cool thing for the fans. Oh, you know, absolutely, to, to yeah. I, wrote, I wrote my first liner notes just recently for a James Newton Howard score, so I, that was my first time doing it. It was a pretty cool process to kind of research the film and, and kind of yeah. talk to the composer, but... Um, so kind of looking back uh, on... And we did also add uh, in some of them some audio bonus. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, like demos, for example, the right. Big Blue, there are some demos, right. original demos. <laughs> so for, for fans, it's great, you know? No, it's interesting to see the kind of puzzle pieces building up to the main thing. And kind of looking back on all your work, on all your film scores, is there, do you have a personal favorite, like one or two that really are kind of your favorite to your heart? Uh, Are they all your babies? Either? Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> difficult to say because it's all my babies. But if I really had to, <laughs> under the torture, uh, that would probably be uh, the professional. Yeah, it's a very good score. Because, uh, you know, I never listen to my own music because it's like watching myself in the mirror. Yeah. But sometimes it happens when I have to, like, for example, when I remaster. Or, right, yeah. So once in a while, I have to, to listen. And I have to say that the professional 
uh, as a really strange effect on me uh-huh. I it's it impresses me when I listen to it it's, I find it really impressive like it, it's got something really uh, powerful like a very powerful uh, uh, character and uh, and I think the mix between those ethnic percussions and those Arabic melodies yeah, yeah. and the symphonic orchestra works really well and uh, and that's what I love in this soundtrack so it's so, a very yeah. emotional soundtrack too I mean it's yeah. very to the core of the character it's such yeah. a beautiful and story very too powerful, yeah. very strong the big fight the end of those three parts yeah, yeah. really fantastic um, but to wrap to wrap up the interview um, I know I've kept you here for some time but I love to ask this to every composer you know so if you could score any movie ever made pretending the original score never existed what film would you pick well I always because I had this question before uh-huh. I always say Amadeus as okay. a joke of course <laughs> get that Mozart out of there <laughs> okay apart from Amadeus uh, but so you mean the movie I would have loved to do, not the music I would have loved to. I mean, just not the mu- because pre- I'm in love with the music. Right. Pretending the music never existed. Yeah. No disrespect to the original composer. If you had the yeah. presented to you clean, this is the opportunity. Like in the in the past, maybe anything a playground that you'd love to you know attempt. Well, I guess, I guess it's the, it's the same question as what's your favorite movie. No? I guess, maybe. Probably. So it's difficult to say. There are a couple of... There would be maybe... Uh, uh, I couldn't tell one. <laughs> I could tell a few. Okay. And then you decide. What's the first thing that comes <laughs> to, your, to your mind? Uh, two first... Well, three first that come in mind would be Apocalypse Now, Deer Hunters... Oh, wow. The Jungle Book, uh, well, of course, Star Wars, Alien. Uh, you know. I feel like you would do a great Alien, a sci-fi horror kind of thing. I feel like your soundscape would be so yeah, perfect for this. Yeah, yeah, I would love this. Yeah, I would love this. <laughs> I've never done actually this uh, scary movie, yeah. and I would love to do this because that must be really fun to do. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I think it'll be perfect. But uh, um, Eric, thank you so much for your time. It's been a, such an honor to talk to you today. Thank you for meeting me here and and, and talking. Thank you very much.